Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. The old skin would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Everybody say new. New requires new. Are you with me? So in order to experience what God wants to do now, you've got to have a different capacity than you've had before. Are you with me? And so that way the wine and the wineskin are both preserved. Check it out. There's a this story that I want to share. I've never preached from this before. I've been preaching almost 20 years. I've never preached from this, uh, this, uh, this story before. So you guys bear with me as I, as I kind of fumble through this. But uh, Israel... Uh, in Second Kings chapter 3, this is right after, you guys know the prophet Elijah, and this is right after Elijah actually went to heaven. Now, he didn't die. He actually got carried away uh, into heaven before the presence of God, but there was this guy that hung out with him whose name was Elisha. The way that I remember it is J become, comes before S in, in the dictionary, and Elijah came before Elisha. So that's an easy way for you to remember because that could be confusing. And one of the things that he said is he said, Elijah, he said, I, I want a double portion of your spirit. Would you give me a double portion of your spirit? And he's like, listen, if you hang out with me until I'm dead, then I, I will give you my mantle and you will have a double portion of my spirit. So what happens is that he sees him as he goes, not when he died, but whenever he ascended into heaven, uh, his whirlwind came, all this kind of craziest thing, uh, stuff happened. And then so what happened is Elisha actually took over the mantle, the, the, the authority, the position of kind of the main prophet from Elijah. Now, we hear a lot about Elijah, but really Elisha, if you look at Scripture, he inherited that double portion, and there's exactly twice the miracles in the life of Elisha than we saw in the life of Elijah because he had the double portion because it was what God, uh, what he had, he had petitioned heaven for. It's what he petitioned his spiritual father for. And then his father gave him everything that he had and then everything Elisha had. And that's, that's another teaching at another time. So this is kind of the launch of Elisha's prophetic career. Okay. So here he is and he is just hanging out in Israel. He's we're not really hearing anything, but we see this story in second Kings chapter three of Israel. And Israel was there and they have a king uh, named uh, Joram would be how you would say it in English. That's rednecks like me. That's how we would say it. We would say Joram. But his, actually his name is Yarom. And Yarom was the king of Israel and he was actually an evil king. Okay, he, he, he wasn't as evil, scripture tells us he wasn't as bad as his mother and father, but he was pretty bad. He was still evil, he was still worshiping false gods, and he wasn't pursuing God with his heart. He wasn't turning the nation towards God. So he has uh, this issue with another king of another nation called Moab. And now the, the, they had this arrangement where the king of Moab would give to the king of Israel uh, a thousand lambs, or I'm sorry, a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand, uh, the, the wool of a hundred thousand rams and, and the lambs, a hundred thousand lambs. And so what happened is they quit doing that. All of a sudden Moab said, well, we don't want to give up our lambs, our lambs wool anymore or our lambs. And we don't want to give up our rams wool anymore. So we're going to rebel against you and we're not going to work with you anymore. We're done with you. Well, this kind of ticked the king of Israel off, right? Are you with me? Because this was like an agreement they had. This was a covenant they were into, and they were not fulfilling their end of the bargain. So, Yoram, or Yoram, if you will, Joram, goes uh, to, to this other king, the king of 
Judah, which Judah and Israel, like sister nations, they're all under the providence of Israel, but they have their own king, and Judah's here. And so uh, Yoram goes uh, to King Jehoshaphat. You guys have heard of King Jehoshaphat, right? Or Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat is there. He's ruling. Now, listen, Jehoshaphat was a godly king. In fact, we we read stories in the Bible all of Jehoshaphat and how how he he was a godly king. Yet we had this other king that was evil. Are you guys tracking with me? So he goes to him and he's like, listen, we're going to attack this guy because he's not hooking up us with our goods. He's not fulfilling his end of the covenant. So we're going to go and we're going to take this nation out and get what belongs to us. In fact, we're going to get more than what belongs to us. They're cheating us out. So we're going to show them what's up. So he goes and, and they get together and then they go and they travel through this desert called Edom. Now, when they're in Edom, this desert, they meet up with the king of Edom. And they're like, hey, this is what's going on. And he's like, oh, that's all right. He's like, I'll join with you. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get this pagan worshiping, this rebellious king. And let's, let's take him out because he, he's not fulfilling his end of the agreement. So they got three kings and they're in the desert and they're walking around the desert. And it says this, that they circled around the desert for seven days. Now there's three kings, probably powerful enough, each in their own right by themselves to take out the Mo, the uh, the Moab the the Moabites, and so we see this. And this is where we pick up in Second Kings chapter three. It says, after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. What? Exclaimed the king of Israel, "Has the Lord called us three kings together, only to hand us over to Moab?" But Jehoshaphat asked, "Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him?" An officer of the king of the Israel, king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Saphat, is here, and he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, and Elisha said to the king of, of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Like, We don't have any business together. We don't have any dealings together. You're a pagan king. You're worshiping other gods. I don't have anything to do with you. I'm the prophet who's under your kind of your rulership, but I don't want anything to do with you because you're not worshiping my God. Come on, are you with me? He was ticked. What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together. To hand us over to Moab. So all of a sudden, the king of Israel's got in his mind that God has set them up for failure. Now, it never says, God, God never says this, but this pagan king has got this revelation that he came up with on his own that God has put them out there so they could die, so they could be defeated. So he tells this to Elisha. And Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will not have respect for the. Uh, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. Bring the band in. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you and your cattle... And your other animals will drink. This is, easy, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. 
Kings, you will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time to offer the sacrifices, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. So we have this narrative, we have this story of these three kings who are extremely capable Right? They're extremely capable. They have all the tools. They have all the potential in the world to take out their enemy. In fact, one of the kings by themselves probably would have held up a pretty good match against the Moabites. However, there were three kings going on one, yet they were about to die because they didn't have water. Water. Because they didn't have this essential thing, it didn't matter what their potential was. And I think, you know, that's how we are sometimes. We've got all the potential in the world, but because we're not doing the basics, our potential is never met. Because we're not, we're not living to what God has called us simply because we're not willing to do the basic things it takes, like wake up and drink some water. It makes me think, you know, you guys know that I'm a big MMA fan. And uh, it's uh, these fighters, they get in there, and you'll see these guys sometimes, and there'll be two guys in the ring, and one guy's like super like buff, and he's like ripped, and you're like, oh, man, that guy's going to destroy the other guy, right? And the other guy's kind of like a little chubby and kind of laying, you know, and the skin's all kind of loose, and they're, you know, they're in there, and they're fighting. And then at the end of the first round, the big dude gasses out. And so the second round, the, the, the other guy comes in and he just, you know, takes him down and taps him out and wins the fight. And we see this happen over and over again. The, 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 the potential is there for the guy to win. He's got the strength to do it. He's probably got the, the, the training to do it, but he don't have the conditioning. He don't have the essentials. He don't have the stamina to go in there and win the battle that should be his, that seemingly he should win. And this is how we are a lot of times in our life. We should be able to win. We should, in fact, some of us, we're not even in the battle. We're not even battling because we're just like, oh, I'm not even doing the essentials. I'm just kind of stuck in the desert going around in circles with my life. But God wants you to receive from him and go into battle and be victorious. How many know that there's no victory if there's no battle? Come on. So we have the potential, but we don't have the essentials. So today I want to talk about the essentials of having a greater capacity. How many want a greater capacity? Let's talk about the essentials. The first thing that we've got to have is we've got to have favor. In fact, favor leads the way. Everybody say that. Say favor leads the way. Now listen, you look at your neighbor and say, I'm God's favorite. You can say it with confidence. Say, I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. Listen, you are favored of God, not because of anything that you've done, not even because of your potential, but because of what Jesus has done, but because of who Jesus is. Favor has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with who Jesus is. Come on, are you with me? And so God gives you favor. Listen, here it was. Now, you, you guys got to understand in the Old Testament that the prophets were like, that's like talking to God, talking to the prophets. This, you know, in the New Testament, we all have free access, but people didn't have that. So they had to go to the prophet. So it was just like, but what happened with the evil king? He couldn't even go to the prophet. The prophet wouldn't even listen to him. But he said, but because Jehoshaphat is here, I'll hear from the Lord for you. Listen, there has got to be a presence of favor. 
If we are going to ever have a greater capacity, we've got to recognize this, that favor leads the way, that I am right before God, that I have access to go before God, that I, I can take all the questions, all the concerns, all the worries, all the frustrations, I can take them to God. Why? Because favor leads the way. God likes you. And because God likes you, you can go before the Lord and you can hear from the Lord. Jerome uh, was an evil king. It says this in, in verse uh, 2 of, of uh, 2 Kings chapter 3. It said that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But because, but because Jehoshaphat was there, he benefited because there was a man with favor in the camp. Listen, some of you, you want to go to work and you want to complain about your job and you want to talk about how bad your company sucks and all this kind of stuff. And you do this all you ever do. My company. Listen, you've got to recognize that you might be the only one with favor in that house. And the reason why that company might not be successful, because the one with favor won't stand up. So you just got to stand up and say, man, listen, God likes me. You don't even have to say it. Oh, I'm here. I'm God's representative. No, you don't want to do that because pride comes before destruction. So you just want to be humble and keep your mouth shut and go in there and walk in your favor, recognize who you are in God, and go in and watch other people see the goodness of God. What we like to do is we like to wish bad on people that are evil. But Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He wasn't like, well, you're evil. You can, you can all die. I know where I'm going when I die, so peace. No, he wanted victory. He had compassion, I believe. In fact, if you study this story, if you look at this story earlier on, when the king of Israel went to Jehoshaphat, he said, hey, will you help me out? And he said, listen, my camels are your camels. My people are your people. I'm with you. I'm in on you, in on this with you. We can do this. We can do this together. I'll help you. I've got the favor of God. Jehoshaphat was a very, very successful king. Why? Because he was favored. We got to recognize that favor leads the way. We have the answers to the problems of this hour. To our society, you, you can get up on Facebook and you can sign all the petitions and you can like all the posts and you can get in on all the drama. You can do all that, but it's not going to change anything until you start letting favor lead the way. You start representing. You know what you need to do rather than just get on there and complain about how you hate the government and like the laws. You can pray for the law givers. You can pray for the leaders that are influencing immoral behavior. You can pray for those people because they can't pray for themselves. They can't go before God on their own. There's got to be someone with favor. Favor leads the way. So use your favor. Use your position. Don't use it for destruction. Come on. Use it for life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Y'all can preach back at me. It's okay. Hey, baby, can you give me some water? Thank you. I'll, I'll take that one. Good. Sorry, I'll get kind of a little bit thirsty. First Kings chapter, uh, I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. When we tell you these things, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking about the mysteries of God. And he says this, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive. The message translation says they have no capacity for them. Listen, you can't expect, you can't expect the world to have standards. You can't expect your ungodly boss to be godly. 
What is wrong with you? He has no concept for morality. Nothing. He has no grid. He has no compass for things that are right before God. Only you do. So you don't go in there and you bash. You let your favor lead the way. It's funny how we have standards for people that are disconnected from God. We can't have standards. We just kind of got to love them. And we're not like pitying them, but we're just like, it's just the way it is. Sinner's sin. Well, they're doing that. That's really ungodly. Oh, yeah? But what are you going to do about it? Just sit around and talk about how ungodly they are? Well, they're so ungodly. Can you believe all the problems? Can you believe all the issues in our world? Man, if the people of God would just stand up and do something, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll heal their land. Doesn't say if they'll get saved. No, it says if you just do your job. You let favor lead the way. Okay. People who aren't spiritual can't receive. There's no capacity for them. These truths are from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know the mind of God? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. But you have the inside information. You have the mind of Christ. Well, I'm just a sinner. No, no, no. You have the mind of Christ. God transformed your life. You're different now. So let favor lead the way. Number two, faith steps. The, the, the thing that turned this whole story around is when Jehoshaphat spoke up and said, is there no prophet here? Is there somebody here that can hear from God? He took faith in what God was saying. Are you with me? He knew that he had to hear from God. So what he had to do? He had to make the step. He had to take the faith step and ask the question, is there no prophet here? <laughs> my, my, my big question in the story is, why, why, didn't they, why didn't the king of Israel pray before this happened? Maybe, why didn't Jeho- Jehoshaphat pray before this happened? Why didn't they ask for the word of the Lord before they even marched out to battle? What would have happened then? Would they ever have ran out of water? I don't know. But I would like to think that if they would have prayed before that, they could have avoided this week in the desert. Listen, if you just start putting your faith, not as a last resort, but on the front end of things... Maybe you might see some things transform in your life. What we do is we wait till the disaster comes and then we pray. And we wonder why the disaster keeps coming. Because God wants the intimacy. God wants the relationship with you. So you're going to have the relationship with him through the battle? Or wait till the battle, wait till you're at the end of your rope. When I was a kid, my mom had this plaque that said, uh, when you're at, it was like a, I don't know, she gave me like all these motivational things. They were different then. And it was like this, uh, mouse and there was a rope like a real rope but it was a painted mouse and he had a hold of the rope and there was a little knot at the end and it says when you get to the end of your rope tie a knot and hang on i don't know why i remember that probably remember it for this message today and this is kind of the way we do with god we put our faith kind of at the last 
resort. We kind of tie the knot. Okay, now I have faith in God. I can't get myself out of this situation, so let's pray. No, 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 no. The prayer needs to be before, during, and after. What would have happened? And so what happens is we, we get to the end of our rope, and then we seek God, and then we're like, God, did you bring us out here to die? God, God must have brought us out here to die. God must have caused this. Maybe God never wanted you to go through the desert. Maybe God never wanted you to go through that difficulty, but if you would have prayed, you could have avoided it. Come on, are you with me? We got to take those faith steps up front, man. Everything in, in, in this walk called Christianity, everything in the kingdom begins and ends with faith. Everything. It's all about faith. It's all about active trust. If you say, what's faith? Because I know that some people have a misconception. Faith means active trust. You're placing faith right now on the chairs that Dalton assembled. I don't mean to shake your faith, but... A little jab there, Dalton. Oh, okay, good. That's good. That's good to write down. Listen, stop putting faith in yourself. Stop putting faith. You know, the, the, the world is like, you know, trying to be positive. So just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself and you can accomplish anything. Just believe. How about you just believe God and maximize your potential and do what he designed you for. Rather than doing what you want and just say believe in yourself. And you Listen, I can tell you right now, that don't work. Okay? I can't be a ballet dancer. I could believe in myself all day long, but that ain't going to happen. I, don't, I know I have the figure for it, but I don't, I don't have the balance for it, right? Come on. You don't believe in yourself. You believe in God. What has God called you to do? You'll be most successful doing what God called you to do rather than what your carnality wants you to do, rather than what your desires want you to do. Listen, God will lead those things. God will guide those things. He's, he's a God of providence. He'll take care of you. You don't have to be afraid. But put the Lord first. I love seeing people like start walking into their destiny. Like they they do all these different things, and then all of a sudden they're like really going after God, and and then all of a sudden God starts prospering their ways because their desires are changing because God's at the front end of their plans, not like oh I want to be a rock star. God would you bless it, right? We seek His face before His hand. That's what we got to do. It's called faith. Listen, you got to believe. Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the righteous will live by faith. It's how we live. It's how we function. It's the essential. It's at the core of everything we do. We believe. So what I encourage you to do is do something that forces you to believe. Well, I can do this, and I can do that, and I can, yeah, yeah, you probably can. But, but how about you force yourself into something that requires faith. How about you move into an area that you can't do, but only God could do through you? Come on, are you with me? Get quiet in here. But doing, doing something that you're uncomfortable with, but doing it because you believe that God told you to. I feel like God's called me to do this, but there's no way. I just don't have the equipment for that. I just don't have. I just don't have that ability. But if you put it in your heart, if God's the one that put it in your heart, then you can be successful. You know, when we decided to get this building, 
we decided to start our church in our living room a little over a year ago, we were like, oh, dang, really? <laughs> oh, I feel like God's calling us to do this. Not to, I don't know how to church plan. I don't know how to head to vacation for that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's giving us any money. Nobody's planting us. We're just moving. We're going to move. So we loaded up the U-Haul. We didn't know where we were going to live. All we knew is, hey, we're going to, as soon as we get a house, we're going to start meeting in there. We just believe God to do something. And that's what he did. And then we did that for about a year. Well, after we moved, after we started our church, we did that for about a year. And then I was like, man, we've got to get moved to Sundays. People don't want to come on Saturdays. They're going, no, no, We rent from another building. And we were just kind of, we were like, man, we got to, we got to do something. So we started looking. And then we found this little building. We're like, it's not really like very big and certainly not very nice, at least when we came in. We're like, what are we going to do? We're like, we can't afford that. We can't afford that rent. But we knew that God was putting on us on our heart, putting it on our heart. We're like, all right, let's just do it. And then as soon as we stepped out, God just started providing. That day, I was, I was freaking out. Like, the, the day after I put the video together, one of the guys, a friend of mine, he said, man, I just got to be real honest. He's like, I don't ever read the emails. He's like, but I, was, I, was, I decided to read the email that you put out uh, about the building. And he said, God laid $1,700 on my heart to buy y'all's chairs. And I was like, dang, listen, God will meet you, but you've got to step out. We had to sign the, we signed the lease before that ever happened. So do something that will force God to bail you out. It's like, I don't have, like, what are we going to do? I mean, our tithe that's been coming in, not even enough to cover a rent payment. I was like, well, I, I just, I, I won't get paid. I, I'll just, I won't get paid. We'll just, we'll just kind of believe God and, and, and hope that, that things will be better. And God has met that faith because we stepped out. Are you with me? So if you step out in something that you might be unable to do, it forces you to trust God. Now, don't go do something stupid because of something that you want to do. I'm talking about, like, the purposes of God. Come on, are you with me? Don't be like, oh, I want a Lamborghini. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. Don't be stupid. I mean, that might be in the future, but, you know, let's, uh, let's get to s- step A first. So, Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you don't have faith, you can't please God. The good thing is, is we all have a measure of faith. So we can all bring a certain level of pleasure to God, right? Just because God's given us that measure. But listen, without faith, without placing faith in God, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, listen, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's interesting that diligently seek, which sounds like a desperation move, is in the context of faith, because it is. It's when you, it's, it's when you say before you, or at the end, it's like, I don't have any options, God. I'm desperate. I need to hear from you. I need to know what you're saying. I need to know what you're doing. Diligently seek. See, God's not looking for casual inquirers. He's looking for diligent seekers. And so we just kind of, oh, God, if you just bless it. Listen, God's a good daddy. He's going to take care of you. But if you want to please the Lord, get desperate. Diligent seekers. Number three, you got to facilitate the atmosphere. you got to facilitate the atmosphere. Let's go through this real quick. Number one, 
Favor leads the way. Number two, faith steps. Number three, facilitate the atmosphere. I love when they went up to Elisha. It, it, first of all, it's interesting that he wasn't like, hey, it's my go time. Here I am, all positive and upbeat. He was really kind of negative. Isn't it funny? So here's Elisha. It's like go time. It's like show time. Here it is, buddy. You're on the stage. It's your turn. Prophesy. And I call the band. Right? Got a rock star. Call the band. Right? So he says, bring the harpist here. Right? I love this so much because there's, there's something about creating an atmosphere for God to speak. I would encourage you in your life that you would start facilitating an atmosphere. That you would have a time and a day where you set aside to say, God, this is the moment would you come and speak? We call this quiet time. You can call it whatever. I would encourage you to get some music. Listen, never underestimate a song or a sound. There's just something that happens. And really what it is, it just connects us emotionally. It opens up our, our soul. It, music is the language of the soul. So what happens is we, we kind of get in this place where we can kind of respond a little bit better. We're a little bit more in tune. So do whatever it takes to get you in tune to hear from God. You know, get you some like something that softens you. Come on, are you with me? Because, man, we go through, we're listening to this, that, 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 that. So you get into a place where you can get soft, like a song we were singing, you know, uh, that says, just break me. I can't remember the, 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 I need you. I need you to soften my heart, to break me apart. Get something like that. Be like, God, I need to be soft. So get a, facilitate an atmosphere. Get in an atmosphere. Create an atmosphere where you can be soft. Because those are the moments you're going to hear from God. So bring me the harpist. And it said that in verse 15. This is while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came up on Elisha. I want you to look at Jesus. Talk about creating an atmosphere. Look at Jesus. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Leslie and I were driving. Uh, our whole family is driving. A couple weeks ago, we were on vacation. God, I woke up with this on my heart. And uh, I didn't know what it was for, but... Um, God was just speaking to me, and it says that you, the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So here's Jesus, right? Everybody's showing up. The crowds are going. They're getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And then it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even Jesus had to get into an atmosphere to tune him up. How much more do you need not being Jesus to get into an atmosphere to tune you up? I love this because it says three things about Jesus' prayer life. It says it was often. It says that he withdrew himself. That means that he got away and did it alone. Not just at the dinner table. Not just at church. Often withdrew himself to lonely places. So you've got to step up and say, I'm going to do this often. Then you've got to step back to withdraw yourself from everything else, from all the distractions, the cell phone, the computer, all that kind of stuff. Step back and get alone. Step up, step back, and get alone. Step up, decide to do it. Step back, withdraw yourself from everything, and get alone 
and seek God. Well, my, my husband and I, we pray together every night. No, 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 no. That's great. You should do that. The marriage that prays together stays together. I believe that. It's crucial. You and Jesus need to have some time. You and Jesus. Not with your kids, not with your family, not with your husband, your wife. Do that also. But you and Jesus have some Jesus time. Come on. Everybody say, I'm going to have me some Jesus time. So. Number one, favor leads the way. Number two, faith steps. Number three, facilitate the atmosphere. Number four, find a shovel and dig a ditch. Find a shovel and dig a ditch. I love this. I've never seen this before in Scripture until uh, I learned of this this week. And it says this in verse 16. It says, make this valley. This is what the prophet says. Make this valley full of ditches. What was he saying? He said, go out and dig some holes because I'm about to send some rain. And when I send it, and it actually wasn't even rain, but he said, I'm about to bring some water. What he was saying is like, you go and you create a capacity for me to pour into. Because I'm going to bring the provision. I'm going to bring the resource. But will you be able to contain it? Listen, ditch digging is hard work. It requires sacrifice. It requires energy. But listen, when you dig the ditch, God fills it. It's just how he rolls. So we got to have the faith. We got to believe. But then we got to dig a ditch. Get that shovel and dig a ditch and say, God, here I am. I'm digging, digging it up. Maybe, maybe you're going to dig a ditch of an hour a day. That'd be hard. Come on in our society, get an hour a day. Say, God, I'm digging a ditch. I'm going to give you, I'm going to get to get alone with you for an hour a day. What am I going to do that? I'm going to have to sacrifice some sleep. That's right. Because digging ditches is work. But the good thing about it is when we work, God fills. James chapter 2, verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. Oh. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, other people have deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You want to see how much faith I have? I'm digging a ditch. I'm serving more. I just... I just, I just need more time. If I had more time, I would give it. What are you doing with the time that you have? We're not talking about you having more time. We're not talking about you having more money. We're not talking about you having more energy. We're talking about you dig a place for God to give you more. It's really the only way, uh, the only illustration I can think of. Uh, and I, and I hate, hate to get on the money thing, but it's, it's just really a good example. And uh, so Leslie and I have always been good tithers. We've always been very, very faithful. And uh, so when we moved out here, we were like, I'm not going to be a youth pastor anymore. I'm not going to be on staff at a church. Nobody's going to be paying my bills. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, work my design business that I do. I'm going to have to, you know, teach at the school, which I do. I'm going to have to do these things to, to basically have enough money to provide for my family if we're going to launch Overflow Church. Like, this is what God was putting in our hearts. So we're like, we're going to, all right, let's see. Load up the U-Haul. Dig the ditch. Look for a house. 
We didn't know what our budget was going to be. We didn't know anything. All we knew is that we knew that God was calling us to do something. So we had to dig the ditch. And I can tell you, and listen, I, I don't, this is, this is just bragging on God. I have been, I've been doing ministry, and I'm just going to be real with you for a minute. I've been doing ministry for almost 20 years. And uh, there was a time that we were, you know, making a, a decent living. It wasn't like amazing, but we were doing pretty good. And uh, we lost that job. I was there for 11 years, and we lost that job, and it was very difficult. And then we moved to a new season, and we were doing pretty good. Okay, okay, financially, we weren't like we weren't like driving like a, you know, like a I don't know Bentley or anything. <laughs> Just trying to think of a really nice car that's kind of modest. Uh, anyway, so I mean, it's, we were we were surviving. We were doing okay, and we were still living pay to, paycheck to paycheck. And then when we moved out here, we were freaking out. We're like, what are we going to do? I mean, we're going to have to like, I mean, I'm teaching like part-time at the school. That's not going to pay our bills. I'm like doing graphic design work. I'm making like beans on that. I mean, we were, we were thinking logically about all that we had. And can I tell you this year, and listen, this, this is, uh, I'm just being real, real with you. We even made more money this year, I think, than we have in years. And I'm going like, where did it come from? I mean, there were months we were looking over our finances, and I was like, how the heck did this happen? And it's not like money was just appearing in the bank. But there were ways for us to go and make money. And so we just been in this place, and I, I just, I know money can be weird in church, so I, I just, you know, as a pastor, I try to be careful with that, but here I was, the biggest thing that I was stressed out about, yet God was like, you put me first. You've been faithful. You've been a tither. You've been a giver. So we decided that we were going to step up our percentage of giving, and we've just been seeing increase, 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 increase. I'm not telling you that as any kind of expectation, but just an inspiration for you. Step out. Take a bitch. God's free.